Welcome, and may the Lord be with you. We are excited to have you with us today as we listen to this week's sermon from Blue Ridge Anglican Mission in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Let's listen in. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. This story of Jesus healing the ten lepers is one of those uh, stories I just find fascinating. I always think of this song by Cayman's Call called uh, Mystery of Mercy, and when I read this passage this week, it just reminded me of that. There's a, a verse in that song that says, I am the angry man that came to stone the lover. I am the woman there ashamed before the crowd. I am the leper that gave thanks, and I am the nine that never came. I think that song is a good reminder to me that I am both the leper who gave thanks as well as the nine who did not. This, in this story, we see a very beautiful story of healing and obedience and thanksgiving and salvation. And so this morning, what I would like to do is focus a little bit on this passage and focus a little bit on a couple different aspects of this passage and how it impacts us or how it connects with us here today. The the very first thing that we see is that we are called to be hopeful and to cry out for mercy. Here's the thing about lepers. And I'm saying lepers, not leopards. There's a difference between a leper and a leopard. Uh, The thing about lepers is that they had no hope. They're was no hope for a leper. There was no healing that could happen. There was no cure. There was no balm or, or, or lotion that they could get to help them be better. Now, the interesting thing about leprosy in biblical times is that it was thought to be a punishment from God. So if you saw someone with leprosy, you would think of them as being punished for a particular sin. You would see them and you would think that God is displeased with them and that's why they have leprosy. It's, it's not, uh, and it's not even the same exact disease as what we think of when we talk about leprosy today in this world. Uh, I read an article at the beginning of this week before I had even looked at this passage and it was talking about how leprosy is on the rise in the United States. Uh, And and so that led down to, you know, reading the whole article, which uh, showed that uh, the numbers for leprosy in the world. And so, you know, normally when we talk about leprosy today, we're really referring to Hansen's disease. Uh, But leprosy in the biblical times was a little bit different than what we're talking about today. And it's especially different because of that spiritual aspect. So there was this burden of carrying this awful disease that had physical implications and physical limitations, but it was also the burden of carrying around the spiritual implications and the spiritual limitations that came with God's displeasure. Then comes Jesus. Obviously, they had heard about his reputation. They had heard about the healings that he had performed. They had heard about what he had done. And and so what do they do? Well, they call out to him and they say, Jesus, Master. They 
They, they don't say Jesus rabbi, which you would have done for a teacher of that time, or Jesus teacher, or Jesus rabbi. They, they called out Jesus master, something that his intimate disciples would have called him. And in doing this, they recognize him as the one that can do miracles, someone who is more than, someone who's just more than just mere man. And I believe everything starts with this. Everything starts with this question. Who do you think Jesus is? It's, it's a question that he even asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? It's a question that he asked, who do they say that I am? C.S. Lewis, the, the British theologian, philosopher, author, even said that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or, well, he's Lord. Even in the Bible, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. But the question is that we still have to decide for ourselves, who do you say Jesus is? And I believe that the way that we live and the way that we hope, all of it reflects how we truly answer that question. Who is Jesus to you? Well, the lepers see Jesus and answer the question for themselves because upon seeing Jesus, they are filled with hope. They are filled with some sense that, well, maybe Jesus can help. And so what do they do? In the midst of their pain, in the midst of their uncertainty, they see Jesus and they find hope. And they do the only thing they know to do. They cry out for mercy. They say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, why would Jesus have mercy on them if it was just a disease? Why would Jesus have mercy on them? He, he wasn't casting judgment. Why was there a need for mercy at all? Maybe when they cried out for mercy, they were really saying, Jesus, can we, can we get a little bit of money? Can we have a little bit of financial help here? You know, it's hard being a leper. We can't work, and our family and friends don't want to help us. We're basically beggars. Could we have a little bit of money? But maybe he could do something more. Maybe he could do something about this illness, about this displeasure of God and their sin. Maybe he could do something about their hopelessness. You see, I believe that crying out for mercy is the same cry that we are to cry out each and every day and each and every time that we approach Christ. We must recognize our hopelessness and our immediate and dire need for someone to help. And because of our sinfulness, our only response is to cry out, Christ, have mercy upon us. Where else can we turn? That's what the disciples said, right? Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? Where else could I go? And that question is valid for us. Where else could we go? Where else could we find the mercy that Jesus offers? The second thing that we see in this passage is that we are called to walk the path of obedience. The interesting thing here is that Jesus doesn't heal them immediately. I mean, he could have done that, right, Callan? He could have looked at them and did this. I am Christ and healed them. 
He, he could have just said the word. We've seen it before. We've seen it where he even just, just a couple of weeks ago, he stuck fingers in the ear and touched the mouth with spit. But still, we, we've seen it before where he, somebody would even come for healing for their child and he would just speak the words and they would be healed. But that's not what he does here. Instead, he tells them to go see the priests. Now, the thing you have to understand about that is it's the priests are the ones who would be the judges of whether these men are healed or not. They are the ones who get to decide whether these men are allowed to be back into society or whether they're still cast out. Now, can you for a moment just imagine the amount of faith it took for these men to obey Christ? They had no hope, and they see the man that gives them hope, and they cry out for mercy, and his response is, go see the priest. You see, these ten men, they believed in Jesus' ability to heal them and decided to obey. Now, they could have just sat there and asked for an explanation. That's probably what I would have done. Now, you don't understand, Jesus. Uh, my body's riddled with leprosy. I, I, I can't walk. I don't want to walk. They're just going to judge me. You're going to have to explain this to me. The act of obedience might have been too much for them. They may, may have thought that it was just too silly. Maybe it was a fool's errand to go see the priest. It's a little premature, don't you think, Jesus? Jesus, don't you think you're putting the, the cart before the horse on this one? Shouldn't we get some healing before we go? And to me, it even answers that question when they, when they said, Christ, or, or, or Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. This leads me to believe that they weren't just asking for money because wouldn't they, they responded? But Jesus, I appreciate what you're thinking about here. But really, all we were asking for is just a little bit of money. I mean, just a little bit of money to help us get us through. I appreciate your thought about sending us to the priest, but can you just get to the bottom of your money bag and just give us just a couple coins? No, instead they went. They, they went off to see the men who would stand in judgment of them as they were still sick. They, they went to see the men who would be able to uh, pronounce them healthy or not while they were still sick. But they went. The call to obedience in our lives is just as real. God calls us to live a certain way. We even saw that in the book in our epistle reading, right, in Galatians. He says, if you do all these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. If you do any of these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He calls us to act a certain way. So in essence, he calls us to be obedient. To be obedient. He calls us to be obedient today to do those things in which he has called us to do in his word. Things like to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. To be holy, for he is holy. I believe he's always calling us to something in our daily walk, something that we need to do. And no matter what it is, no matter how hard it is or how easy it is or how small or big or insignificant we might think it to be we are to walk the path of obedience 
the third thing that we see in this passage is that we are called to give thanks. Walking the path of obedience led to something miraculous for these ten men. Walking that path of obedience led to complete physical healing for these ten men. Now, the question could be whether the healing happened as they were walking or whether it happened once they got to the priest. Where did the healing... And this is where we could get super focused, but that's not the point. The point is not where or when. The point is that the healing happened. The point is that Jesus healed these men. All of their suffering, gone. All of the pain, gone. Being cast off from family and friends and society, gone. And when people pass by, they would no longer think that's a very sinful person who has got the displeasure of God. And the one that made it all happen is Jesus. So what happens is, well, one of the lepers, a Samaritan, and it's interesting that Jesus even says here very clearly, a Samaritan. Now, he, he was walking through the area of Samaria, so you would think they were all Samaritans, but he makes it very clear. A Samaritan runs back to Jesus, and he falls on his face. Says he praises God with a loud voice. Not a whisper. Not a normal voice. Maybe this was the first time that he had the energy to be able to speak with a loud voice. Maybe the leprosy had destroyed his ability to talk loudly. It eroded his vocal cords. Maybe he had not had an opportunity to raise his voice. And his first opportunity is to to praise Jesus. To glorify God. And to give thanks. In light of the healing, only one man saw it right to return and give thanks. What about the other nine men, Callan? What happened to them? Jesus even asked that question. Wait a minute. You know, Jesus is no dummy, okay? He, 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 he recognizes, well, wait a minute. Wasn't there ten of you? Where is the other nine? Well, we, we don't know the answer to that. Maybe they just got what they wanted. Maybe they got what they had never even dreamed of. Maybe this was the first time that they would be able to go and hug their family and they ran to see them. Maybe this was the first time they could see friends for the first time. Maybe this was the first time that they could go back into society and and mingle. Those are not necessarily bad things to do. But they're not the first thing to do. How often are we like that? How often are we like these nine lepers that when God does something for us, we just carry on about our lives? How often do we stop and give thanks? Every Sunday at the bridge, we, we, we do prayer requests. And I ask, I ask everybody, do you, know, do you have any prayer requests? And we have some that we pray over and over and over for, and that's perfectly fine. I, I appreciate that. Let's be very consistent and uh, persevere in praying for the same things. And then I said, well, 
and then we go because we have uh, our brother Bruce who always likes to give thanks to God for everything. And uh, this past Sunday, not this, not today, but last Sunday, I said, does anybody have anything else they'd like to give thanks for? And this little lady who's been coming for several weeks, she said, I'd like to say something. I said, sure. And so she shares that just a few months ago she had a stroke. She had to learn how to walk or she had to learn how to talk again. She had to learn how to sit up again. She had to learn how to eat again. She had to learn how to do everything. And as that was progressing, they found a blood clot on her brain. They were able to take care of that. How often do we stop and give thanks? How often do we fall flat on our face to worship the risen Savior? How often do we continue on our merry way, presuming upon what Christ has done in our own lives? We are called to stop and give thanks to God for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he is going to do. And I believe there's no lack of things in which we can give God thanks. We must acknowledge those things and acknowledge the one who gives those things, and we must give thanks. As we close this morning, I think one of the most interesting aspects of this story is, is actually the last words that Jesus says to the leper. These men had seen and experienced physical healing, which was miraculous, right? They obeyed Christ, they received the healing, but there was just the one man that came back. Only one man turned around and went to give thanks and worship to Jesus, and Jesus tells him, he says, your faith has made you well. Some translations actually have this as, your faith has saved you. You see, Jesus is not referring to just health here. The word he uses there is not referring to a, a physical healing, but to a complete healing. We're talking about salvation. While the other nine were happy with what they had received in a physical healing, they couldn't be bothered by the one who gave it to them. But there was one who couldn't go any further without giving praise and thanksgiving to the one who had worked this gift of healing in their life, in his life. And he is the one who Jesus says is saved. Physical healing is good. Spiritual healing is better. Let me say that again. Physical healing is good, but spiritual healing is better. Nothing matters if you don't have Jesus. Nothing. If you don't have Jesus, if you don't walk with Jesus, if you're not a disciple of Jesus, if you don't follow Jesus, if you don't love Jesus, if you're not baptized into Christ, nothing matters if you don't have Jesus. Nothing. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Blue Ridge Anglican Mission. 
We are a parish of the Orthodox Anglican Church that is situated in the beautiful mountains of Hendersonville, North Carolina. If you want to learn more, check us out at blueridgemission.org. Now, let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord.